greatest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. in your life just to be a man but to be a professional athlete as we are to keep up with the fast pace of the cars the airplanes doing something training all the time it takes a lot out of you now there was a man at wrestlemania 3 i didn't think had much of a snowball's chance and you know where to make it i just looked at him like a snowball coming down a hill but this man has turned what was his greatest challenge into an avalanche that seems to be unstoppable i'm talking about your world wrestling heavyweight champion, Hulk Hogan. How do you do it, man? How do you do it? When you were facing the biggest challenge of your life, you took that challenge, turned it around, and made it work for you. Well, you know, Jake, the momentum of Hulkamania has been running wild for three and a half years, man. But after WrestleMania, just like you said, that snowball turned into a huge avalanche. And now that the momentum is so great, the next number one contender that steps in the ring with Hulkamania, I really feel sorry for that dude, man. That avalanche is gonna wipe out the next number one. Mr. Man, you're not supposed to be on it. Why you mean, boy, son? You'll feel sorry for next opponent. Mind to my communication, this is a doctor's time. And I am the devil, Fuji, boy, son. Let me tell you something, Mr. Fuji. Just because you're his manager doesn't make him the number one contender. And as far as the darkness goes, the brightest light, the brightest force in the universe is Hulkamania. And even in the wrath of Killer Khan, I see no darkness. Boy, son, perhaps you want to experience the dark side of Khan. Come on, guys. Come on, hey. Come on, Fuji, they ain't supposed to be out here, man.
Hello and welcome to the Hogan Era Podcast. Of course, I am your host, JP John Paz. This is a part of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire on the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcast feed. Each and every week on the Hogan Era Podcast, we talk about the number one star in the history of the wrestling business, the man that set it off and created the business we now know today, the man that made Vince McMahon a very rich billionaire. If you could say that, I guess you could say a very rich man who became a billionaire, thanks to the Hulkster. And it's all about the immortal Hulk Hogan here on the show. He is the Babe Ruth of wrestling. He is the God of wrestling. And without him, I don't know where the wrestling business would be, to be honest. And if you think about it, he obviously was the man responsible for the biggest boom period ever in the history of the business. He also is the main focus of the show where we're talking about a lot of the feuds that were going on in the 80s. The Hogan era, of course, was from 1984 to 1993. Hulk's big 10-year run of dominance for the WWF. This episode is focusing in on a guy you consider a monster. And we're going back to that well once again. And this time we're talking about Killer Khan. An absolute legend in the business. Maybe some people have forgotten about him. Hopefully, most of you have not. Absolute monster of a man. 6'5 plus, over 300 pounds. The Japanese monster. Mainly, though, they would say he's from Mongolia. But with Killer Khan, this was in 1987. This was a big feud. This was after the big feud with Andre the Giant. Really more towards the summer and into the winter of, of 1987. Mainly these are on house shows, obviously not really a part of pay-per-views or any big shows like that, but this is a very, very key cog in the wheel. I cannot stress enough how important house shows were back in the day and how much money they were to generate. The whole thing was they wanted everybody to see the show, feel the show, get experience on watching the show maybe on TV, but to get you into the house show, to get you to buy merch, to get those ticket sales done. I know it's completely different business today. It's much more of a TV business and TV rights fees and things like that. But back then, it was much more about getting your ass in those seats and selling out those house shows. And that's why you needed house show feuds. And you needed big time matches. They would build it up on TV. Like we saw Mr. Fuji and Killer Khan attack Hogan on the snake pit. And obviously Mr. Fuji would be his manager and a big part of getting him over as a heel because Fuji was absolutely hated. And Khan obviously wasn't going to have a gimmick where he's going to speak and cut promos. He's way had Fuji, the manager, do that for him. But with that, Khan spits missed in the Hogan's eyes, and we set up a nice little house show feud kind of to continue on for the Hulkster. So you'd see semblances and you see stuff on TV and attacks and different things of Hogan selling and really pumping up the matches, but it was all generated and all done to get you to go to the house shows. So in prior episodes, we mentioned not all monsters really were, were like the key to the the well, if you will, the, the key to the bank or whatever you want to call it. That was the money train. That was Hulkamania. Not always was a monsters. We talked about Piper and Savage and Orndorff. Yeah. I mean, they're big guys. They're larger than life, but they're not necessarily those monster characters that Hogan would fight like Kamala and big boss man and Andre the giant and King Kong Bundy killer Khan. Like I mentioned earlier, it definitely fits the monster mold and going kind of back to that. Well, it's funny though, with Hulk, most guys drew very well with Hulk, but because it's Hulk, and you got to be able to make money with Hulk. And most guys could do that because Hulk is a god. And that's kind of what it's 
it's all about with the Hulkster. He was a money generating machine and they knew that, but you had to keep feeding the beast. You have to keep changing it up. So you can't just go macho man, macho man. You're going to have to change it up and throw some cogs in the wheel. Like we mentioned, bad news Brown, he's feuding with macho a little bit, but he's also feuding with bad news Brown. He's also feuding with the twin towers, mainly the big boss man. So, I mean, there's different feuds and really kind of keeping the bridge going from one big star to another. When you want to bridge that gap between Andre the Giant and Macho Man Randy Savage, how do you bridge that gap? You know, like I said, you got the Twin Towers, you got Boss Man, you got Bad News Brown. So you need those feuds to keep everybody interested, keep them going to the house shows. And not everybody wants to see same old, same old. So you change it up, you make it different. Maybe you switch from a legend, um, a smaller guy like a Macho Man or your somebody of that ilk like terry funk even and then you kind of switch it and you go back to the monster factory and you go with killer khan so this was just interesting to me because you know khan was a very big draw in new japan and different places all around the world so he had a ton of experience was definitely a big draw in other places especially japan and new japan so hogan can easily kind of put him in the machine and put him in the factory and boom let's make a ton of money with him and that's kind of what they did so really just starting out let's just say the Ozawa's Mongolian giant, the killer con character was created by his trainer, Carl Gotch, who obviously is a huge legend in the business in his own right. Khan traveled to America in 1979 to start wrestling that following year in 1980. Khan first wrestled Andre the giant in a tag team match for Georgia championship wrestling. Later that same year in 1980, he was hired by the world wrestling federation or the worldwide wrestling federation by Vince McMahon senior in the WWF or the WWF. Originally he feuded with the then WWF world champion, Bob Backlund, as well as the intercontinental champion, Pedro Morales. So, really, as he makes his debut, 10 1980, in the then WWF in Allentown, PA, where a lot of those tapings went down back in the day, he beat Steve King in his first match. And as he was going along and fighting Bob Backlund, he'd beat Dominic Danucci, who's a big legend across the way. And of course, Johnny Rods, another legend across the way. Khan would get some DQ victories over Bob Backlund, but then he would then be defeated. Like I mentioned with Pedro Morales, he had some wars with him in Albany and Rochester, and Pedro Morales would end up getting the best of him. But it's funny, he's kind of feuding with both guys all at once, the two big stars of the of that era, Backlund and Pedro Morales. So it kind of shows you where he's at and kind of shows you what they think of him. And, you know, hey, this guy's a big star. We can make some money with this guy. Let's go all around the Northeast and let's have him feud with both guys almost simultaneously of course he would go back to new japan pro wrestling in 1981 and then head back to the wwwf once again where he was going to continue his feuds with both pedro morales and with bob Backlund. so as we kind of go through 81 there's a a lot of great deal and kind of focusing in on khan being a big time heel and being a big time star for the wwf he would even have a match on MSG with Dusty Rhodes and, he, you know, Pat Patterson. There's a lot of guys he was going to feud with and have some great matches with. But a big time feud that occurred was with Andre the Giant. And that's kind of like, wow, OK, you're feuding with the world champion. But feuding with Andre the Giant's almost just as big of a deal as fighting with the world champion. So he's placed in the feud with Andre. And during one match in May of 1981, 
of course, this is in kayfabe, but uh, Killer Khan drops a big knee drop off the top turnbuckle and it results in Andre the Giant breaking his ankle. They're saying Khan, oh, you know, he landed on the ankle and he broke it. But the actual truth of the matter was Andre actually broke his broke his ankle getting out of bed. But the incident was reported, of course, as real and as storyline, and it helped put Khan over and it really helped to put Khan on the map. He's shooting with Backlund and Morales, and yeah, that puts him somewhat on the map, but breaking Andre the Giant's ankle really kind of supremely puts him on the map and really makes him a top-level heel and a top-level draw for the company. So when Andre returns from injury, returns from the break, broken ankle, he feuds with um, Killer Khan into that next year. In November of 1981 in Philadelphia, Andre versus Killer Khan in a Mongolian stretcher match, which was very, very highly sought after, a very legendary contest. And I know a lot of the fans in the Northeast remember that feud and remember that match quite well. Andre, of course, ends up winning that match, but that feud was named Wrestling Observer Newsletter's Feud of the Year in 1981. So nice little accomplishment there for Killer Khan. So as you're kind of going through and, and you really want to build up a guy, you don't get quite bigger and you don't quite get better than Andre the Giant. That's like the, the tippy top there in the World of Wrestling Federation. He also feuds with a little bit of Tony Atlas as we kind of go through 1982. And he really kind of doesn't be seen again until 1987 in the WBF. So Khan will make his brief return in 1987. And this time around, like I mentioned before, he's going to be managed by Mr. Fuji. When he first comes back in for 2387, he defeats Rick Hunter on a Superstars taping. Then the same day, he actually has two other Superstar taping matches that are almost for three Superstars in a row. So actually, the first match was against Nelson Villeau. He defeats him on Superstar Taping 35. Then the next match was Mike Richards. He defeated him on Superstar Taping number 35. And then finally, like I mentioned, Rick Hunter on Superstar Taping number 36. is all on 4-23-1987 and all from Worcester, Mass, up there in the high northeast of Massachusetts. So the, they bring him back. He has a bunch of squash matches. And they're bringing him back in a big way. He's going to be on Superstars pretty much for the next few weeks in a row. And they're really going to cement him as a future challenger for the then WWF World Heavyweight Champion, the Immortal Hulk Hogan. He does have a little bit of a feud with Outback Jack for the time, who's kind of a you know a mid-card guy, I guess you could say. In addition, he did have a limited house short run, of course, like we're going to get into with Hulk Hogan. He also, just to kind of a sidebar and also want to mention, he had a successful run as a major monster here also in Mid-South and for NWA World Class Championship Wrestling, the WCCW. He was usually managed in World Class by Skandar Akbar. He also teamed with the Freebirds, and he was the man who taught Terry Gordy the Oriental Spike. Of course, he was then turned on him, and, of course, that was paid by Skandar Akbar, and that's a different story for a different day. Nothing to do with the Hogan era. Just wanted to mention that briefly as he had a nice run in world class and for Mid-South. So in 1987, like I mentioned, when he comes up with this feud, the main man here, of course, is the man you know that it's all focused on is the immortal Hulk Hogan. And that's when his feud with the Hulkster started in 1987. They needed another house show feud. They needed kind of another bridge feud because he's still going to feud with Andre, but you don't want to have all those Andre matches on the house shows and kind of got to give Andre some breathing room, give him some fresh air as we're kind of building up to Survivor Series 87. Let's do something else with Hogan. Let's keep him busy. But 
also, which is a major contributing factor, you got to be able to draw some money and you still have to be able to be able to really kind of make money on the house shows and keep everybody's interest while building to these other feuds because it's not going to be all Andre all the time. And I, and I think that that's a good thing because you got to spice it up. You got to give different markets, different matches, and, and definitely give them headliners that you're interested in. And Killer Khan was that as they kind of are building him back up and they're really kind of, you know, having him be like Tito and Outback Jack and guys like that in 87, you got to build up and get ready for the Hulkster. But really, the first time him and the Hulkster kind of crossed paths was 10-27-1979 in St. Petersburg, Florida for Championship Wrestling from Florida. Joe LaDuke and Killer Khan, Manny Fernandez, Steve Kern, Steve Travis, Toru Tanaka defeats Bill Irwin, Bobo Brazil, Brian St. John, Bugsy McGraw, Haystacks Kaloon, Jack Briscoe, Jerry Briscoe, Ray Stevens, Stan Lane, the Max Terror, and of course, Sterling Golden, a.k.a. Hulk Hogan. And this was in a $15,000 tournament, 17-man, two-ring battle royal. Very interesting stuff there. Quite a gimmick there for Championship Wrestling for Florida. The next time they would meet would be 3-6-1981. Don Morocco and Hulk Hogan defeat Antonio Guinoki and Killer Khan by DQ in about 18 minutes. Part of the New Japan Pro Wrestling WBF Big Fight Series Tag Team Tournament in japan for new japan pro wrestling really the first one-on-one match they ever had was in new japan pro wrestling part of that big tag series but this was just a one-on-one match ended up in a double count out like i said 310 1981 they had a bunch of other matches all through 1981 a few in 1982 and even in 1983 of course iwgp championship league 1983 hogan defeats killer con 5-6 1983 and then they have a bunch of other matches that end in double countout. And really the final meeting for New Japan Pro Wrestling, 12-3-1983. Anoki Hogan and Tatsumi Fujinami defeat Killer Khan, Tiger Taguchi, and Yoshi Yatsu. So they do have a past. They do have a history, but it's mostly in Japan, minus that one championship from wrestling, uh, excuse me, championship wrestling from Florida match. But really... As we're kind of building back up here, let's focus back on the Hogan era itself. And let's focus in on the WWF 7-8-1987. Hulk Hogan defeats Killer Khan on a house show from St. Paul, Minnesota. The next time they meet is two days later. Hogan defeats Killer Khan in Omaha, Nebraska. Then in the Capitol Center in Landover, Maryland, Killer Khan gets the victory over Hulk Hogan via countout. 7-31-1987, that was... Then they go to the Brendan Burn Arena, my home away from home, 8-1-1987, and Hogan defeats Killer Khan there. They have a wrestling challenge dark match from La Crosse, Wisconsin. Hogan defeats Killer Khan there. That's 8-5-87. Then on 8-7-87, Hogan will defeat Killer Khan from St. Paul, Minnesota again. Then they go to Louisville, Kentucky, where Hogan gets the win. Then they go to the Indiana State Fairgrounds in Indianapolis, Indiana. Hogan defeats Killer Khan there. Then we'll go to Birmingham, Alabama, 8-21-1987. Hogan defeats Killer Khan there. And then here we start some Mongolian stretcher matches, which is the staple of the Killer Khan, the legend that is Killer Khan. Hogan defeats him in the rematch in Landover, Maryland. If you remember the last time, like I just mentioned, Killer Khan beats Hogan by a countout, building up the return match on 8-22. And Hogan gets the win here in the Mongolian stretcher match, which... Was great because you can you, know, you go from one sellout. How do you get the fans interested? Landover, Maryland's a big market for them. It's a big part of the Northeast. Well, 
let's do a rematch. Let's have Khan win the first one, and Hogan gets his revenge in the second one. And we'll do something a little different, like his specialty, the Mongolian stretcher match. So pretty cool there. Then there's a dark match, a part of a challenge taping, a part of San Francisco, California. It's Cal Palace. Hogan defeats Killer Khan by countout. That's on 825-87. Then a great infamous match here from the Boston Garden on the Nesson Network. Hogan defeats Killer Khan in about 10 minutes. This is a big one. This is a very important one. We always mention on the show Nesson and the MSG Network and the Prison Network. They're all local access TV shows in Philly, New York, and Boston. Huge markets. These are basically having you know, like a Saturday Night's Main Event or, or a Raw or SmackDown, whatever, whatever you want to say. A big TV match, but it's mostly fixated on one market and it's focused in on the one market. And if you're a part of the Boston market, you'd get Nesson. And if obviously you're in my market, New Jersey and New York, you'd get MSG. And then of course, if you're a part of Philly, you get the prison network and everything that was done from the Philly spectrum. So it's pretty cool because you get your own TV feuds and your own house show feuds and you get to see them on TV. So they make a bigger deal of them. They make the matches a little bit longer Obviously, sometimes the matches are even better, and that's why this time in this match, the match at the Boston Gardens, which was shown on Nesson Network, had an amazing finish. This one really gets you excited. Typical babyface heel, of course, with Hogan and Khan here. The typical Japanese, Mongolian monster. Everybody hates him. Hogan, the true blue American babyface that everybody loves. So in this match, Khan jumps out ahead of Hogan, going for his throat relentlessly, choking him with the tape, thrusting at the throat. Mr. Fuji even gets in on it, choking on Hogan. Hogan is selling very well per usual. Khan then spits the green mist at the ref when the Hulkster ducks. So he's going for the Hulkster. The ref ducks. Boom, he hits the ref. Khan is definitely kicking his ass all over the place, in the ring and outside the ring. Hogan makes his first comeback. And the place is hot, molten hot. He gives his back and everything. And then the typical rake of the back, which you got to love from the Hulkster. Then he slams a chair onto him on the outside of the ring twice. Hogan in these crazy brawls are great. If you're very familiar with when we're talking about the Dr. D. David Schultz episode or Terry Funk or Piper Hogan in these wild brawls are awesome. It's definitely something different and maybe something that you're not used to or not used to seeing from the Hulkster in this era. But man, even the matches with Bad News Brown, I love these brawls. And it gives you a little bit something different because Hogan's great in them. Fuji then distracts Hogan. Khan does the only thing he can do in this match and that's attack Hogan from behind. Kind of killing the, the crowd a little bit in his track. He then gives him the, the big shoulder you know, they, they say shoulder massage, but he's really going after that shoulder. I mean, it's really uh, the tendon, really the artery there. It's one of those pressure points that uh, Khan's going to try to get over. Kind of the old school um, you know, waste time, if you will, the the, uh, the breather, if you will. So really, it, it's kind of the crowd was really hot, but then it kind of really it's almost a roller coaster because then it slows down a bit. Uh, the Hogan. Hogan then gets it works his way back up, much to the crowd's liking. Shoulder tackle. Khan goes back to the throat again. He does the big knee drop, which is a big false finish in the match. And then here we go, the Hulk up. And this time he is back and in business. He is really, really fired up. I feel like um, this was a great finish. The crowd gets back into it in this roller coaster of ride. He goes for the obviously the knee drop, Hogan kick out, Hogan Hulk up. And then we go for the 
hoof, 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 leg drop, or excuse me, big boot, leg drop, and the finish. This was a great brawl, a great Hogan match. Definitely check this one out. Highly acclaimed match, for sure. Anybody that wants to go out and see it, it's hard to find. So if you can somehow find it, I don't know if you're going to find it on YouTube or not, but it's a great match if you can find it. Boston Gardens on, that is 9-12-1987. Good stuff there. A little bit of a different wrinkle for the Hogan match, but a great brawl. And obviously killer Khan is, is a great guy to have that brawl with. Cause he's that scary heel monster. That is a big threat to the Hulkster. Then they have a dark match on challenge taping from Rockford, Illinois. Hogan gets the win there. And then 9, 18, 8, 1987 from the prism network. Hogan defeats killer Khan in a match very similar to the one that was just talked about on the Boston garden match goes about nine minutes, 20 seconds. And Hogan gets the victory. We go to the Hartford Civic Center in Hartford, Connecticut. Hogan gets the victory there. Then Hogan defeats Killer Khan on a house show from the Rosemont Horizon in Rosemont, Illinois on 10-10-87. As we're kind of winding down this feud, 10-23-87, Hogan defeats Killer Khan from Pontiac, Michigan. Hogan gets another win on 10-27 from Syracuse, New York. And a dark match, a part of Superstars taping number 63, again from Syracuse, New York, on the same day, so you're getting double matches. You're kind of doubling up both from the War Memorial. And Hogan gets the win then. And then the final match, 11-14, 1987, from the L.A. Sports Arena in Los Angeles, California. Hulk Hogan defeats Killer Khan. And that's going to kind of end the feud and end this big house show run that him and Killer Khan had. I mean, they had a ton of matches together, a ton specifically, of course, in the WWF that were pretty damn good and by all accounts some great matches the boston garden match is definitely one that sticks out in a lot of people's minds i know if you give star ratings to it for it people were giving it three and three quarters four stars so it might be one to kind of seek out and seek after this is obviously a bridge feud as he's continuing the feud with andre the giant but andre's not feuding with him on the house shows so you gotta get some other meat in the bone and killer Khan was that he was a great draw and obviously you're selling 10,000 people out at, at house shows like it's nothing. And that's just great. And it shows you the big draw that Hulk was. And it's not like, you know, the undercard's good, but it's nothing, you know, too crazy. I mean, Rude versus Coco Beware is on the undercard and stuff like that. So it's nothing where you're kind of building it. You're building it solely and specifically on Hogan's back and whoever the heel is at the time that he happens to be feuding with. So really, to me, Killer Khan, this is one of those kind of forgotten house show feuds one of those kind of underrated feuds, under-the-radar feuds that you almost think, wow, did he feud with Killer Khan? Wow, he did. And then you go out and you seek those matches, and you're like, wow, great. And then you look at the numbers, about wow, 10,000 people in L.A. and 10,000 people in Landover, Michigan, oh, excuse me, in Landover, Maryland. And they have a return match, which draws a little bit better. And it just shows you, like, wow, Hogan not only is a big draw, but Killer Khan and Mr. Fuji did a quite a hell of a job drawing as well. Love this kind of throwback if you will to the monster feuds because you got andre you got killer con you got the big john studs of the world it's just pretty cool to have that and then even on tv on the snake pit you got killer con spitting the mist in the hogan's eyes to get you to want to go to those house shows to get you interested in this killer con feud and hogan's one of those guys where he'll sell and he'll put the guy over because he knows that equals money selling equals money all that suddenly equals green, and he knows it equals putting asses in the seats, and that's what he did. So whether he was feuding in 87 with Kamala, Andre, or Killer Khan, that monster feud and those monsters were working as big-time dragons for the Hulks to slay in 1987. 
So that's pretty much it for this week as we recap and we wind down the Hogan Era podcast. Let's get to the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website, tmptempire.com. And of course, Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. Killer Khan is another great feud in the books. Check out all the prior episodes of the Hogan Era podcast with all the great and other legendary feuds of the Hulkster. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. We'll see you right back here next week for the Hogan Era podcast. See you next week. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at two-man power trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies brother. Way to the squared circle here in Philadelphia, this jam-packed arena in awe of the extraordinary physical skills of Andre the Giant. Making his way into the ring now for a one-of-a-kind type matchup. Over the top rope he steps to face off against the Mongolian Killer Khan himself, giant-like proportions. These two extraordinary athletes will clash in what's known as a Mongolian stretcher match, in which one of the opponents must be carried from the ring on the stretcher incapacitated. That will be the way this match ends. It's one fall to a finish, and it's likely to go on for a while, given the wrestling skills of this extraordinary athlete, like him or not, Killer Khan. Mongolian Khan to square off against the thus far undefeated Andre the Giant. But make no mistake about it, here in Philadelphia, Andre could very well be biting off a little bit more than even he can chew. Andre taking a tremendous risk fighting Killer Khan's type of a matchup. And we're just about ready to begin the match. Andre putting the undefeated streak on the line against Killer Khan. Andre, of course, some time ago in a previous matchup, there's a look at the stretcher. Special steel reinforcement to carry the seven foot four inch, 400 plus pounds of Andre or the somewhat smaller version of Killer Khan. You will recall it was the Boston Garden as now the match begins. The Boston Garden was the setting in which these two met once before in which Killer Khan broke the ankle or the foot of Andre the Giant, putting him out of professional wrestling for some time. But Andre right away, going for the headbutt. Andre hauling over Killer Khan, over the top rope. Andre now with a tremendous right hand. Killer Khan backing off all the way. It's Andre the Giant, the aggressor, and why not? Andre with Killer Khan on the run as Khan now leaps to the outside to collect his thoughts. Uh-oh. Andre has Killer Khan by the cue. Hauling him in by that one little piece of hair there now with the wrist. Andre with another right hand. Andre now with Killer Khan. Whips him into the rope, sets him up. Oh, ah, with a boot to the face. And Killer Khan down on the canvas. Khan far from being incapacitated. Oh, that may do it. Andre with his 400 plus pounds right down into the sternum of Killer Khan. Andre now not wanting the referee to interfere in this 
anything goes type of a matchup. They have asked for the stretch, however, I don't think Khan is out of it. Putting Killer Khan, no, he definitely does not want to have anything at all to do with that stretcher. He's now going for the ankle, trying to get the big man over. Killer Khan trying to knock Andre the Giant down to size. And he could very well do it. Is now, I don't think he could backdrop him, however. Andre at 400 plus pounds. Andre hanging on. Oh, no. Oh, it's bad for Killer Khan. My goodness. With a pile driver. Andre the Giant now. Seeking his revenge, headbutt that misses. Now things perhaps turning around a little bit for Killer Khan. Is Khan who has been taking a tremendous beating from Andre the Giant thus far all the way through this matchup. But now, Andre hoping moments ago to put the final finishing touches on Killer Khan. And just the other way around. Killer Khan stomping into the head of Andre the Giant. Oh no. Khan taking the same leg, the same ankle that was broken in Boston and really going to work on it. There's some question as to whether or not Andre the Giant has full capacity, full range of motion with the ankle that was broken in Boston. You can see Killer Khan is going to find out one way or the other. Khan hanging on for dear life, really trying to test the ankle as he shoves the referee back. This is vintage Killer Khan who will take advantage of every opportunity. And right now it looks like Andre the Giant's undefeated streak is really in question. Andre pulling Killer Khan down to the canvas. But meanwhile, referee trying to get the ankle loose from the rope and Khan down with a tremendous knee. Referee still having difficulty. Khan on the rope on the far side, tightening the ropes by a sheer weight on the far side. Killer Khan down with a knee again. Andre will not only, it appears, suffer more damage to the ankle area, but I believe, yes, he's going to suffer defeat. Killer Khan has asked for the stretcher. Andre the Giant lo losing this matchup, and it appears as though his undefeated streak also a matter of wrestling history. No one thus far has been able to defeat Andre the Giant. But here in Philadelphia, Killer Khan capitalizes on apparently what was indeed a very damaged ankle. Is on no, Andre! Andre! Andre with a stretcher in hand! Killer Khan, oh my, right across the back! Andre, far from being over, the match is not over at all. And Andre the Giant moves in on Killer Khan. Andre with Khan. Headbutt, Killer Khan folding down to the canvas. Andre, you can still see very much favoring the left ankle, the one that was broken in Boston. Andre almost out of professional wrestling for some time, almost out for good. Many doctors advised him never to return to the squared circle, but look what Andre is doing to Killer Khan. And again, down across the head. Referee now very much concerned for the physical well-being of Killer Khan, who has really suffered the attack of Andre the Giant. They put him on the stretcher, and I know, look at this. Killer Khan hanging on to the rope. Give credit to Khan for being an extraordinary competitor, but Andre now, just all over, eating him up. Oh my goodness, there won't be anything left of Killer Khan.
And now bringing in the stretcher again, hopefully for Killer Khan's sake. He won't hang on to the ropes. Hopefully, this will be all she wrote. Khan, however, resisting, hanging on to the apron, now resisting, being placed on the stretcher. Now, finally, they have him on. And I think the match is going to be over. For Killer Khan's sake, he better take the ride on the stretcher. No, Khan's still hanging on to the rope. Killer Khan, an extraordinary competitor in his own right, if nothing else, he has proven that here in Philadelphia. Andre now with Khan in the corner. Oh, what a right hand that was. Killer Khan slumping in the corner. We have seen nothing in the way of an offensive at all from Killer Khan for the last, oh, 10 minutes or so as Andre takes him over. It was Killer Khan's intent to put Andre out of pro wrestling in Boston. There's no doubt. It's certainly Andre's. Oh, my! It's certainly Andre's intent to do just that to Killer Khan. Put him out of professional wrestling for good. Now, perhaps, the referee has persuaded Andre to allow Killer Khan to be placed upon the stretcher. You almost have to feel a little bit sorry for Killer Khan. Not much, but just a little bit. And yes, indeed, it appears as though if he gets him, yes, the match is over. Killer Khan leaving the ring area on the stretcher, incapacitated Andre. The Giant has done a real job on him. Yes, indeed. And now we know who the real and only Giant in professional wrestling is. It's this extraordinary athlete, 400 plus pounds, seven feet, four inches, the man who knocked the Mongolian Giant Killer Khan out of professional wrestling. Yes, the one in the